0: Celtic
1: Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. What a great day in Boston. This won't air till Monday, but John and myself and a guest, Bobby Manning, you know him from the Bobcast and the Celtics blog podcast, is joining us because it's been a great day. Well, okay. It was a great evening in Boston at the TD Garden as we paid tribute to the one and only Paul Pierce. Number 34. Sean Grandy wrote some excellent words. He read them on the radio broadcast. Tommy uh did the um did the voice over uh, with Sean Grandy's words on a video tribute that played just before they raised number 34 to the Rafters. Gentlemen, this was one heck of a ceremony. And if you're a Celtics fan and you didn't have tears in your eyes, then you're under the age of five. Let's go to Bobby. Bobby. <laughs>
0: It brings me back to one of my earliest moments as a Celtics fan, that ceremony in 2009. It just had the same feel, the same darkness over the arena. And it was the same people. Just seeing Doc back in the scrum before the game with all the media talking to them. Uh, Rondo, KG being front row, them all talking about the good old days, Paul Pierce back in the house, and then just seeing Brad Stevens take that step back and let it all happen when people were asking him about uh, the team and everyone else. He was like, I was just a fan back then like all of you. It really, everything about this last week Brought you back to 2008, 2009, and that, that was what it was all about. To create that feel again, to bring those same fans back in the stands. You saw everyone with their 2008 shirts on. It, it was a different era. It brought me back to the time, you know, going back into the old videos where they played the organ after every time the Celtics scored. It was a different time, a different feel, and it was a special, special era in Celtics history, the tail end of that Paul Pierce era was sensational. It was what made me and many other people fans of this team back then. And I think it's a big reason a lot of young people like myself uh, want to pursue covering this team because of Paul Pierce, well, because of that era.
1: I'll tell you, there was two eras of the Paul Pierce uh, or, or I should say of Paul Pierce's time. Obviously there was the Antoine Walker version of the Paul Pierce era. And then there's the Kevin Garnett segment of his career. And I enjoyed both and we'll get to that in a little bit. But John, Bobby's a little bit of a whippersnapper, right? You and I are equal age, equal in age to Paul. We grew up with Paul. We came of age with Paul. We had kids. Maybe a little bit before Paul. <laughs> but at the same time, what do you, his first daughter was born in April of the year they won the championship in 08. So, uh, you know, John, I think we've, we've, uh, we've grown up on this guy. It was interesting to see Antoine in the crowd as well. I'm glad they included him.
2: Yeah, Antoine, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be polite. Um, yes, it was good to see Antoine there. Uh, it was good to see a lot of familiar faces there. Posey was there. Uh, Tyloo was there. Certainly, I was good with the team. Uh, there's a lot of people who weren't in that, in that, uh, group James of folks. James Posey. Exactly. Posey was the he, guy who was talking to He him off about. into
1: the corner. What was that about? It was like Danny had to call his number and be like, hey, wait, James Posey's here. Yeah, he, Pose. paid, he paid for his ticket.
2: <laughs> He's off. He's off hugging people over there, I think. No, you know, and yet Dana Barrows, he looks like some dude they pulled out of the stands. I don't know if he knew he was going to be up there, which was kind of a weird thing, but, uh, no, yeah, look, look, we were, we're, we're old school. Um, you know, we, we do, we do remember both, both, and, and you could only, maybe even say there were three Pierce eras. There was the, the pre, um, you know, the patina era where everything was kind of in flux and Ron Mercer's here and wait, now we're going to add another wing and how's that going to work? Um, and then obviously his ascension under Jim O'Brien, uh, to being a, 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 real superstar in this league, uh, and I'd say Antoine Walker's demise and, and where Pierce kind of steps up. And I thought it was interesting. They talked a little bit about that in the ceremony. Uh, obviously it was kind of, there was kind of a somewhat of an awkward sense when, Paul talks about how Danny got rid of everybody and then, you know,
1: obviously he said he was cleaning house, getting rid of everybody. Even the very first Danny Ainge hug from Paul Pierce well, I, I, and I know this is way reading into things, but I was actually sizing up how Paul was hugging everybody <laughs> because <laughs> after that, cause I only noticed the initial one with Danny and what you said, John. And I thought, let's see how he hugs everybody else. But I, I didn't see really a lot of, a lot of difference, but that initial hug I thought was like, yeah, there's a little something in between them for Pierce not being here. And as happy as I am with the way things turned out. There is this little part of that's like, boy, this would have been awesome if he finished his career with the Celtics at the end of last year. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. That would
2: have been that would have been just a, a I would say a capper, but it was also cool the way it ended. And there was from with some wistfulness about the last few years and obviously what that did, but you also wouldn't have had the lead up to today's game with the Cavs looking the way it did. Um, you know, <laughs> this would be the lone bright bright spot in the season because the Celtics would be in the depths of where they are had they not dealt Paul Pierce and, and Kevin Garnett to the Nets, and obviously now with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and there's a future, and and the other Nets pick becoming Kyrie Irving, then da, da 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 da. I mean, there's all these great things that happen because that ha because that deal did go down. As hard as that is to take. But I think you know, coming off of today's game, or I should say, coming off of today's ceremony, I guess I'm I'm just really it's you know kind of an emotional time to think about you tear hard up? times. Be
1: honest. No, no, but I'm not like that. Yeah. I, goosebumps. That's All my I right, think. Goosebumps. I teared, goosebumps. Up. I teared I, I the goosebumps. up. I wasn't weeping, but I teared up. Bobby, come on, lay in. Be I, I honest. Was,
0: I was in the house for that Brooklyn game when Pierce came back with Garnett for the first time and that was, that was tears that night. That was the fresh emotions of that trade rubbing off. There was a lot of space with this ceremony tonight. I mean, he retired a year ago. He hit that shot probably about a year ago with the Clippers, uh, at this point. And we've been seeing him in the studio ever since. Like this whole thing with Pierce really hit that emotional high when he was dealt. Months after that, coming back in January with Garnett, that was the peak intensity of the Pierce Emotion. It never got more intense than that. I've never heard the Garden louder than it was that night cheering for them. And a crap game, too. If you remember that Nets-Celtics game, that was one of the more horrific games I've seen over the last 10 years. And that place was jam-packed, posters everywhere, and the cheering would not stop all night long for them. Chance every five minutes. It was unbelievable. The video tributes, the volume that the stadium reached during those video tributes, each of them was phenomenal. So that topped this by a lot, but you did, it brought you back to those moments. They even showed that moment in the middle of the broadcast tonight, back with the Brooklyn game. There's a lot of emotion with these guys, and rightfully so. And you hear people talk trash talk Paul Pierce outside of Boston and not understand like his status in league history, even just Celtics history. People like that are removed from the emotions of the Celtics organization and Pierce and the fans. That little triangle right there is a very intense thing, and people on the outside don't seem to understand that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is all of that heritage, but it also your era gets tied to a player. And so as much as Larry, I think Paul Pierce is your Larry Bird, Bobby, you know, for your generation, because there'll be players like Brown and Tatum that are developing their careers in basketball at the same time that you leave college and begin to develop your career. And that's kind of where that is for me. I think that's part of the reason I got tears is because I remember when Paul was just getting started, I was just getting started in life. And so, you know, he went through a lot of hiccups and he made a lot of mistakes when he was young in certain ways. And some of those are actually my favorite moments. And that's a teaser for just a couple of minutes. I'm going to tell you about a conversation I had with Mike Gorman yesterday. And, um, So he made a lot of mistakes in that early going, but then you kind of mature and you get better at your career and you figure things out. And I think a lot of that is I know how much hard work and effort has gone into my career to get to where I am today. And I'm sure, John, you feel the same way. So it's like when you see these ceremonies where somebody like Paul Pierce who just – and I think he exuded passion. It's the one thing that I really just loved about him so much. He exuded all of that passion, and that's what it takes to be on top. It's just what it is. You got to put in all the extra hours, the blood, sweat, and tears, and to see him just be able to sit back and reflect on all that. The only difference between him and me is that he gets to legit retire, and uh, I'm only halfway through my career.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, he's not totally retired though. I mean, at least in the respect that, as Bobby said, we see him on ESPN every week. He's you know he's doing countdown, he's doing the jump. I mean, he's out there, and he's going
1: to take Danny's job. Danny called it right. Well, that's that was.
2: That was, I think, the piece of interest. I think, other than Mike Zarin is the most eligible bachelor in Boston, I you think- saw this was follow up tweet, right? You saw his follow-up tweet, right? Yes, I hate dating Oh, it
1: was awesome.
2: Perfect. Picture perfect. <laughs> uh, but no, I think, I think that that's, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, oh shoot. See, I, now the Zarin
1: thing kind of sent me down that road. I was all, I was all teed up Tell you it, what, but, I'll save you. I'll save you. We'll, we'll do the quick, uh, Reminder that everybody can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live. You can follow your host, Justin. <laughs> Just, that's mine. That's me. At CSL that's underscore you. Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS media network is at CLNS media. And the Facebook page is facebook.com slash CLNS fans. You can follow Bobby at real Bobby Manning. And don't forget to download the CLNS media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS media in your app marketplace and the CLNS radio YouTube channel with the roundtable. Uh, YouTube.com slash CLNS Media. It's also got full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report. So make sure you're checking that out on CLNS Media. Probably, I would say, the bestest network. So, John, I don't know if you want to finish your thought. But if not, I'm going to tee up uh, kind of a discussion for us that comes on the heels of a discussion I had with Mike. Well, I, maybe this is a good place for this
2: conversation because I think I want to give a, a shout-out to our number one B uh, fan favorite, uh, and that's Sean Grandy. Um, Sean Grandy wrote uh, the words uh, through which Tommy gave the voiceover for that epic, absolutely dynamite uh, video tribute that the Celtics did for Paul Pierce. And, um, I mean, that's the, that's the video tribute – uh, of all video tributes the stalks have ever done. Um you know, I thought they did a great job when it come when it came to uh you know, when Pierce returned, like Bobby talked about, they they'd done a great job with all of these. But that was I mean, the words and the way Tommy delivered it and it was just just dynamite. I mean it captured the moment and it was you know, it, it got other than mentioning his own kids, it was the the second probably most emotional moment for Paul Pierce in today's uh event so i just want to you know give a a, a shout out there Huge to, to Sean uh Tommy and and the Sulvic staff for really pulling that together just an amazing effort and uh really 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 well done
0: yeah and yeah. all the all the people in the video screen before for well, that, too, giving him the shout out, seeing Magic Johnson up there, Kobe Bryant, really all the characters. No, no, no. Did you really? I, I,
1: I don't want to hear anything about Kobe on this day. I wish we yeah, could have yeah, but saved but think about Paul Pierre. Ah, no, it's you're not. Inter- is there intertwined. a buzzer? Is there a buzzer? <laughs> I mean, I, you're the guest on my show now, and there's no Kobe Bryant talk on this show. <laughs> this is
2: like the cuss button. This is the cuss button for KG's cuss hey, button right there. It's, hey, it's hey. the Kobe cuss, cuss <laughs> button. All right,
1: really, I'm Magic out. and cool. Kobe. I get it. That's all fine and Danny, but from the fans' perspective, I could have done without it. It's great that they did it, yada, yada. So here's the thing. You mentioned Sean. He is a wordsmith. He did a beautiful job. Tommy did a, a superb job with the voiceover. I think Mike emceed nicely. Paul and, and Maxwell, you know, if we want to just hit the whole round table of. You know, uh, voices of the Celtics and faces of the Celtics. Maxwell did a nice job of going back and forth with Pierce, ribbing each other over the last couple of days, but um, I think on the last show, we talked about how I took my son to his very first Celtics game last Sunday. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of ignorant to where things are at or how much preparation would go into a thing like today. So yesterday I called Mike up kind of unexpectedly just to take five minutes and say thank you, you know, for waving us through the security guard usher guy and letting my son come down and introduce himself and being so gracious. And I caught him in the middle of getting things prepped up and studying for, the gala last night that he had to emcee before emceeing today's event and so I was just hey thanks Mike you know I really appreciate it but then he says he says hey what's your favorite Pierce moment and so I'll I'll cue it up this way and 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 you guys aren't gonna like it either I go Mike I'm sorry This, this this isn't gonna help you whatever you're trying to put together this isn't gonna be helpful but Honestly, my favorite moment is when he and Antoine came out to the podium and Pierce had the bandage wrapped around his chin... (laughs) And after the foul on Tinsley in 2005 playoffs against the Pacers, I was like, I'm sorry, but I just love sarcasm. And there was just like, that was visual sarcasm. And and it got so bad that Antoine, I watched it on the YouTube. I hadn't seen it in a long time. I pulled it up on YouTube after I hung up because I was like, that was a stupid thing to say. And I watched the video, and Antoine literally has to get up from the podium and walk away because he's losing it, like laughing because of the charade so anyway I thought I thought I'd poke a little fun at myself and then cue it back up to you guys as you know for your favorite Pierce moment mine certainly probably should have been the shootout with LeBron but instead it's 2005 in the gap of of any kind of uh I think they had actually reacquired Antoine uh, for that postseason run from Dallas so uh they weren't you know after that it got really ugly for a little bit but um but I just I just loved it because that, I guess that's where it ties into the passion that I was talking about with Paul. He just wanted to win so bad. And he had a hard time controlling his emotions early on as a result. So what are your favorite moments? Let's go to Bobby first and then we'll hit John.
0: Yeah, with me, it, it comes to extending that big three era. It probably should have only lasted 2008 to 2010. That last finals run in 2010. But then in 11, they messed with the chemistry a little bit, the Kendrick Perkins trade. And then in the 2012, there weren't a lot of expectations at that point. All the energy, emotion around the league had been sucked out of the Celtics toward the uh, heat at that point with LeBron James and everything that was going on down there. And for them to get to the East Finals in 2012... Such an underappreciated moment, probably because of what ended up happening in the end of the series there, rightfully so, but when Pierce hit the game winner in Miami and all the favoritism toward Miami and that whole crowd right out down there and the shock on everyone's faces in the crowd, still one of the more iconic Pierce images ever, the green Draped in front of all the white in the background as he nailed the shot for the win down there, the faces on all the fans all, on all the fans in the background, just a quintessential Pierce picture sucking the soul out of the opponents. They didn't win the series. it was sort of the uh epitome of that Pierce big three era they got the first one, but they couldn't get the second one after that. But still, a amazing moment. One I always go back and watch. And it was essential, Pierce, the big time, big moment at the end of the game, being there to rely upon whenever the Celtics need a bucket. He really gave them a bucket every time they needed to in crunch time. It's hard to remember a time that he failed to come up big for them in that moment.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think there's something special about that. That end of that run because i I agree with you bobby and that was a he prolonged that probably longer than
0: even in 13 he took over point guard when rondo went down that was that is so under that's a really
2: good point i mean this is a guy who i mean he's in year 15 at that point you know and he's taking the whole thing on kg's playing on one leg ray's long gone Rondo's hurt his knee and, and, and Paul is the only thing that's pulled in that th- whole thing together. It was, it was, that was impressive. I'm not going to go there though, cause I think Bobby really eloquently talked about that era. I'm going to go to the other end. I'm going to go a couple small moments, him giving the hug to Rick Patino, which ushered Patino out the door. That was pretty nice. Um, <laughs> I'll talk about the fact that, uh, you know, that, that he was, in LA when he became the mother bleep in truth. That was a pretty special moment. But I'm gonna talk about I think the comeback. And the comeback against um the Nets, right? The Nets. The that Nets was
1: that was incredible. That
2: was that was his introduction to the main stage, you know, and he had a he had a really good year um, you know, Antoine was still looked at as the captain, the guy who was, you know, navigating those waters. And he's just this, this wonder kind at that point. But Pierce kind of just took, that was him. I mean, all that that was Antoine getting in his ear before that game. That's nice. But then 12 minutes, it took 12 minutes of, of game action and 24 point, you know, deficit to get to the, to the point where they win that game. I, that was to me where he went to a special level and he just didn't have the teammates around him for four more years or five more years after that point, you know? So that was, it was to me, that was like, okay, we have something here. It was the first time for me at that point, I was, let's see, 23 years old, 20, 20, 23 years old. It had been a long time since the, the, the bird era was gone. So much disappointment, so much, you know, bad things and Len Bias and Reggie Lewis. It was the first glimmer of hope that we had that there is a new era that will dawn here as Celtics fans. And it was, it was where it all began it was that, that night. I mean, there was great stuff that season and it, but that was the capper of what we say. Things are not going to be the way they have been. We're not going to wait for the superstar. We have one in our midst right here in Paul Pierce.
1: Well, and it was the beginning of a turnaround on New England sports in general because the Patriots had won the Super Bowl in 01 and Tom Brady. And then also the Sox started to get their rise and start to compete with the Yankees. I mean, the whole sports landscape had gone from we're the, we're, well, at the time we were Cleveland. Cleveland, right? We were like the Browns. The whole the yeah, whole we we were bad. Dude, we were bad. I mean I know Parcells did his thing in ninety six, but then it got bad again. You know, all those years of being in trouble with the Celtics, but the whole thing started to turn. And uh and you're absolutely you're absolutely right, John, that all became more and more focal on or focused on Pierce and his ability to lead the team. That's why I inevitably became the captain. And uh, you see Jeff Clark from Celtics blog over and over. He recites that dead poet society quote, Oh, captain, my captain. But yeah, he is forever our captain. Now hoops fans, listen up. Basketball season is winding uh, towards the all-star break. So all of your favorite hardwood heroes have uh, established their, their uh, place on the stage getting ready for the playoffs, and it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night, playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes, or private contests where you can compete against your friends, and they've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of a similar skill level. The best part, you get to draft a new team each day, and drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. The the only thing that's better is winning cash doing it just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin they both turned a three dollar entry into a thousand bucks huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com free With your first deposit for your share in $10,000 in total cash prizes tonight. Don't wait. Use CLNS at DraftKings.com. Choose your lineup and you can seriously cash in. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. A minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, gentlemen. Let's talk about what happened before. Oh, I don't even want to get into it. I was furious, but let's talk about what happened before the tribute to Paul Pierce, which is really probably the worst defensive showing in a while. And I understand Cleveland's good, and they have got a lot of great players, but that compilation just came together. For them to just completely trounce on this defense is pretty sad, and... I felt at the time disrespectful to Paul. Like, come on, man. You know, you guys got to keep it within 10 at least and put on a show at the end. And instead, they just completely bombed.
0: Yeah, and Paul Pierce again entered into meme territory with his blank stare sitting on the sideline. Not just him, the weeks. whole crew, Yeah, right, everybody. It was, it was, it was No wonder Doc was...
1: was talking about beer. It was the only thing he had going for sitting <laughs> on the sidelines.
0: Great point. Great point. And I'm, I'm going to tell everybody this because I caught so much flack on Deadline Day. A lot of people were having fun with the Cavaliers. They were dumping off the pieces that people did not see uh, contributing to them at all. Isaiah Thomas, Derek Rose, Jay Crowder, all of them gone. And they bring in Rodney Hood. George Hill, Larry Nance, and Jordan Clarkson, and everyone's like, wow, great, role players. What are they going to do with these guys? And I heard from numerous people that these players weren't going to make a difference for the Cavs. I said at the time that the Cavaliers were once again prohibitive favorites in the East because these guys can ball. None of them were in great situations. Hoden in particular in Utah, that team was on the downturn this year. And now you put catch-and-shoot guys with LeBron, extra ball handlers with LeBron, and defenders with LeBron. George Hill is an all-world defender at that point guard spot, a Spurs Pacers, Conference Final, Warrior with both of them. That guy has experience, two-way uh, productivity. All four of those guys can ball, even Nance in his first year in the league. And that team, you saw it today. They got 18-33 to 33 contribution from those four guys. LeBron got to play 29 minutes after a season where he's been playing over 35, upwards of 40 all year long. And they play defense. They held the Celtics to nothing offensively, on top of scoring 120. That I don't team know if they is scary. Again. I'm gonna let
1: John jump in on that. I felt like we we didn't play offense. I
0: am scared of that team again.
2: Don't be scared, Bobby. It's gonna be okay. No, I <laughs> no, I think I think that the issue is because I saw you were saying that on on deadline day, and I, I think that they um. I think that they have a chance probably to be better, um, be the best team in the league with this, with this lineup. I don't think today's indicative of anything though. Uh, and I don't think the Toronto game is indicative of much. I felt like both games were really um, situations where the Celtics um, are in a funk. They're not playing like themselves. They're missing. They're just, they're not uh, doing what they should be doing. And, I, and say I think they're
1: missing Marcus smart.
2: No, no, I'm not saying that. No, I think, I think that there is an issue there, but I, what I, to, to go to your point, though, Bobby, I think I think that what LeBron has it's going to go one of two couple ways. All right, he's got the young players, he's got these guys that are um, they're impressionable, they're young, they're ready to go out there and, and bust their butts to to help him. You know, and maybe that's the, the way that that a great team has to be built around him now. It's kind of going back to the oh eight oh nine ten model of the Cavs, which is LeBron's up here and everybody else is down here. It's not, you know, a three-headed monster. It's, you know, a lot of these guys passing and moving. It could work. I could see it working. But I also think, I mean, the type of intensity both Toronto and Cleveland played with today – you're not going to see that on a regular basis. You're not going to see it on a regular basis, even in the playoffs. Nobody has that type of intensity. The Celtics have a target on their back. And right now, not only are they play him badly, but everybody wants to kick him in the teeth. So the Celtics have got to find a way to fight back. And in that case, they are missing Marcus Smart. But quite frankly, you know, Aaron Baines needs to be more, more tenacious and, and much more tough out there. You know, Morris has got to be that guy that we expect to kind of mix it up and kind of muck up a game.
1: Yeah, he right was now, strong be- offensively. Now, they're not tough. Yeah, yeah. Offensively, Morris did played excellently, considering, but. When we thought we were getting the guy who had a statistical advantage on LeBron that was an outlier in the league, I definitely thought, I didn't expect, I know he sagged off of him and I think that was fine, but I expected him to play a lot tougher. And there was one foul, I think it was Monroe, who wrapped up LeBron like he was, you know, touching him with pillows. I mean, it was like, dude, if you're going to foul LeBron coming up the lane, you know, you got to screw him up a little bit.
0: Yeah, and the Cavaliers did that to the Celtics today. Tough interior presence by Tristan Thompson. I know that was one of your big things that you've taught me, Justin. If you're going to foul, foul hard. And the Cavaliers did that and prevented baskets today. They they just looked rock solid top to bottom. And on Marcus Morris, he he really hasn't been the defender that people anticipate him being, which was is quite disappointing because I think early in the season that brought the Celtics away from being a small team, which they want to be. And now we are so far away from small ball, it's unbelievable. You're just seeing Jason Tatum play at the two. They're really gearing toward two big lineups now with Tice Monroe, Baines Monroe, Horford in that mix. It's very awkward to see on a Brad Stevens team how big they're playing right now, but they have no choice. If they chose to bring Monroe in here and now they, they have to play these minutes play these lineups and adjust to him, have him adjust to this team. And that's part of this process right now too. The Celtics are not only missing smart, but they're in the middle of an integration period for a new player who hasn't played in weeks and Monroe has not looked good. He is well, thoroughly
1: He's got to learn early, for a little but... bit. He's had, yeah, you but know, that Kyrie is found him. Kyrie found him. He can finish at the rim. Nobody expected him to be a defensive giant and another former Celtic, Joe Johnson, got bought out on Paul Pierce day. So that's been a target partedly for the Celtics. Maybe that's some more offense off the bench. Looks like Isaiah got his magic back in LA. So my pipe dream of him returning to Boston on after a buyout for a postseason run may be quashed, but, but I, I, I want
0: would have been awesome
1: would have been awesome so so john tell me what you think of monroe your initial thoughts do you have hopes for him and then uh, do you want any part of joe johnson or are you waiting for things to just go horrendous in la and maybe the dream still happens <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, Bobby, remember a year ago here, you were, you were very pessimistic and things worked out. So I I feel like another positive experience is going to happen for the Celtics here. I mean, look, I think that's, I think we overplay our hand in terms of what these, Deadline deals and what they end up being. The Celtics are going to have having problems regardless of Monroe or or whatnot. I think Baines has honestly been a bit of a, a, bis, a bit of a disappointment here over the last month. I think that Tatum has kind of backslid as a player. I think that Brown has been had a good run there last week and then really didn't show up all that well, certainly against the Cavs. And then I'm not so sure he was really that great against the Pacers either. So you you get up to these situations and I feel like it's a lot of confluent you know, a lot of issues coming together at once. Um, Monroe, to me, it will take time. It's going to take until after the All-Star break, I think, before we can really judge where he is. The Celtics still have a need on the wing. I would have liked to have seen them fill that need at the trade deadline. It didn't work out. The cost was too high. I still think there's going to be guys out there. It sounds like Joe Johnson's headed to Houston. If that happens, what, you know, who's their alternative? There's not a lot. Bellinelli's headed to the Sixers. So is somebody else going to be bought out? I, I'm still looking at Tyreek Evans. I think Tyreek Evans is not happy with the fact that he got held out of it for a week of practice, held out for a week of games, and is now is you know saying like, what's going to happen here? This is, they I was on the market, and now I'm going to be stuck on a team that's going to play for another you know. Basically obscurity for another two months, and then no one's going to see me. And now Lou Williams is getting seven million a year. My payday could be gone if I don't get to the playoffs. If I'm Lou, if I'm if I'm Tyreek Evans, I'm telling Chris Wallace, buy me out of here and let me go join a contender. And that's if that happens, then that's the greatest of all worlds because then the Celtics add probably the target of their whole dreams uh, at the deadline and Greg Monroe.
1: I still think that's that a would be continued genius on Danny Ainge's part not even giving up a second round pick I mean I was kind of willing to give up a first round pick and maybe even consider Marcus he slid down my favoritism he slid out of favoritism for the first time uh you know how long have I been back in Marcus but boy that would be a complete heist if they found a way to get Tyreek Evans without giving up anything Bobby
0: I just still don't know where this newfound fascination with Tyreek Evans came from. The guy was a bust out of college, did not play well in Sacramento, played horrifically in New Orleans to the point where he's lucky he landed in Memphis. Now he's getting 14, more than 14 shots a night, all the ball ball time now that Mike Conley's gone down. And people expected him to fit in with varying minutes and varying ball time in Boston. I never liked the idea of it. I was nowhere close to saying I would give up Marcus Smart for him, never mind a first-round pick. And the Celtics held firm on that, too. Second-round picks was all they were willing to give up. That was all any team in the league was willing to give up, by the way, if you see the reports, which is very telling. This guy was overrated at the deadline, and there's a reason no one really reached out far to go get this guy.
2: I'm I, I'm I'm probably a little bit more optimistic with him, and, and you're right. The usage on him was just off the charts, so it is kind of like okay, now you're going to play a role in twenty minutes a night if you're lucky. I think that's kind that's a lot to ask, and you're right to have him fit into that. Bobby is, is absolutely an issue. I think the one thing I would say though, his shooting percentages are good. His ability to, to distribute the ball is good. He rebounds. He's got size and he's got versatility. He's not a perfect fit, but for a guy in the buyout market. I think he probably can fill the bill for him. His shooting hasn't been as great uh, in terms of the last month, but if you go into the game logs and see kind of where that fits in, it's not that far above the range. And, you know, look, if you look at, you know, people say, well, the last month is more indicative of of who he is as a shooter. It looks like, like two years ago he was around 40% as well. So even though in his early part of his career he could not shoot at, all he's he has made amends there and it sounds like he 's much more along the lines of thirty five thirty six thirty seven percent um probably than the forty percent we saw earlier but not the twenty nine percent that he's been in the last month so it, it probably balances out i 'd like to see it happen uh, but I, no but the reason i think you know that. Beth- that's kind of the other, bit, which is you know how much you're really going to pay to get this guy. If he's just a guy who you're not giving up much for, eh, it's a flyer. You're going to lose, you know, Abdul Nader for for Tyreek Evans. To me, that's a trade I would take, um, and you know, and and take it every day.
1: Well, the thing is, too, on the second unit, the usage rate can still be high, especially with a unit that's struggling so hard to generate offense. I mean, we're not talking about securing him for the starting lineup where Al Horford facilitates the offense, and then also Kyrie Irving facilitates the offense. This is a player that would be in a role that would require some high utilization in shorter minutes. So I do think he would be a big pick-me-up. I mean, is Think about it this way. You know, the championship team that Paul Pierce was on won with really only two players outside of the starting lineup in Eddie House and James Posey. And yet this team has got a lot of depth, but it's a lot of young depth. The biggest pick-me-up would be Gordon Hayward. We're talking about him potentially being ready to come back at the end of March. He's looking pretty good. Jared Weiss saw him at the game and tweeted out that he was walking around like somebody who had two good ankles. So it sounds like he's, you know, obviously it's – There's a lot of healing to be done in that ankle. It's not like running and jumping on it, but we're only, we're not even halfway through February. I mean, even if he's able to lightly jog by the beginning of March, you have to think that there's a shot he's able to come back and play some minutes in the postseason. That'll be the biggest pick-me-up, but I do think it wouldn't be a bad idea to have some insurance. It's really not going to have any impact, again, as it's been the last couple of years, on their draft standings with their biggest pick for next year. So why not go after it as long as it doesn't cost much?
0: I mean in retrospect they're not giving up that first round pick now it's just we're, we're waiting on the buyout if it does happen but uh, Ainge does like having a draft pick every single year all but two years of his career he has drafted a player in the first round that's why you heard speculation that they trade Smart for another first rounder to flip to Memphis but uh, that ultimately didn't come to fruition either Smart's value wasn't that high around the deadline himself but uh, I I like Smart better on that second unit than I'd like Evans. I, I still think people are down on Smart because of the whole picture incident, uh disappointing shooting this year. But his defense is as good as it's ever been. I still think he's a vital cog on that perimeter defense that they have going. And I think they have a pretty good chance to re-sign him this summer at a very good deal, which you wouldn't have gotten with Evans. Evans would have been a pure rental. If you did give up Smart, you would have been giving up a player, possibly a long-term player with this team. I don't think he's going to be a long-term player with this team this summer you, is probably when he gets out. What do you out, think, but...
1: $10 million for Smart at this point? Do you think he bottomed out in value because of this cut yeah, his he hand is... and having the hissy fit and not really improving any of his shooting percentages?
0: His value is very close to its rock bottom at this point. I don't think a lot of teams with room are going to use that room on a big offer sheet with some of the other free agents who are floating around this summer. The Clippers in particular were a team that came out with cap space that I said, all right, maybe they will be a team that reaches at him. But I don't see it anymore. I think their ambitions are still higher than that. And in the meantime, Ainge can throw a deal at Smart, a fair deal. In the early days, just like he did with Avery Bradley and then try to uh, stick with that. And then if he does have Oklahoma Smart City he earns- showed
1: some interest, though, you know, Oklahoma yeah. City showed some interest at the trade deadline. He's obviously cap- from yeah. the area, but they have no room. Well, it just depends on how things play out. Right. I mean, they could yeah. have cap room. John, do you think there's any truth to the interest in Marcus Smart other than him having just grown up in the area? From, wait, I'm sorry. From Interest OKC. From, From, oh, yeah. yeah. No, I th- I think there's, I think there's
2: some, I think there was a need once Roberson went down that they needed somebody to fill that defensive, you know, take the other team's best, best score uh, piece alongside, you know, Paul George. When you go against Oklahoma City, when you're in Oklahoma City and you're going against the Golden State Warriors, you know, you need guys like that. Um, but whether or not I, I, you know, I think you're right in terms of the market. I mean, I think. You see, Lou Williams sign a deal, three years, twenty-one million. I mean that, and a TL option on the third year. There is a massive correction coming to this market for free agents. And Marcus Smart's value—he was looking for north of what Evan Turner got, north of what you know Kelly Olenek got. He was thinking eighteen million a year, and he may you just may be able to take that one away. And he's going to be lucky if he gets eight nine million dollars uh in this in this market for a guy who's not a starting guard right now. I mean and and it's hard to argue that he would be a starting guard in most teams. So I think he ends up signing here. I think he gets a short term deal and stays here for, you know, eight yeah maybe eight million dollars a year for three years. It becomes a, a an Avery Bradley type deal. And I think that's probably the best thing that for the Celtics and the best thing uh for Marcus Smart going forward because I don't think anyone values him more than the Celtics do.
0: Here's this, too. Well, Braun is a free agent this summer, so the whole market is going to be stalled while he makes his decision. That's going to buy the Celtics some vital time to work this out with Smart. That's their only focus this summer. The Celtics don't have the cap space to be involved with a big free agent this summer, so priority number one is going to be locking up Smart. That and his drop value is really working in the team's hands right now, and another reason I think they didn't deal him, even with all the talk of that going on.
2: I do think one thing I would say, though, Bobby, I think... The Ainge is right, that he was asking for a lot. You know, I think it was more than just the number one. I think he wanted a number one, Andy wanted a rotation player, and, 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 you know, Danny doing what Danny does, which is asking for the world and expecting to give up very little. And, you know, a guy coming becoming a restricted free agent in just, you know, a handful of months, and you're asking for all that. But Danny can do that. He's sitting on all these assets. He doesn't have to make the deal. And I think... You know, when you put it in in the scope of all those things, if he got, you know, a rotation player and he got that number one pick, he could flip for for Tyreek Evans, you know, and who knows something else. I mean, man, then then you can understand making that move. But, you know, as it is, I'm happy with KP Marcus Smart. And I think, you know, he's a, a key rotation piece for this team. And if the marking correction comes the way it is, it helps to solve this cap situation. And it helps their ability to add a, a piece that they can trade uh, for that, yeah, Anthony Davis yeah. trade. this is you know you know the Celtics are you know circling around uh, for the next you know eighteen to twenty four months. All right, we yeah, have two
1: minutes a- left, so we're gonna have to wrap. But we've got one game on deck before all starts. See, see how I do that? I just jump right in, take control. Two minutes left. I want to know what you think is gonna happen with the Clippers game, post sentimentality from uh Doc Rivers. Maybe we can get him to sit in the stands and have a beer. Again, uh it's eight PM, it's Wednesday, it's on ESPN. What's the outcome? Make your predictions and then we wrap.
0: Yeah, Celtics will win that one. I'm not it's, I'm not big on the Clippers right now. They added Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, but I mean there's not a lot to love there. Do they get Celtics an Avery Bradley tribute video? All? Is there, no, you know, the Isaiah
1: the Isaiah one was missing anyway. What kind of
0: I think they already did that, didn't they? Didn't, did Distance they already Rebecca
1: do it? Adam? Yeah, I guess yeah. they did do that, didn't they? Yeah. I, I think the
2: Celtics win by twenty. I think they are going to two days of practice, uh not wanting to enter the all star break on a on a bad note and a number of days off. I think they're about they're going to play with the intent, type of intensity that they've received from Toronto and received from Cleveland. And I think they're going to, they're going to answer in a big way. Does it mean that they, their problems are solved? No, it doesn't, but I do think that they're going to at least exit with a, with a big win before the break here on Wednesday.
0: I will say Jalen Brown is solving a lot of their problems with his consistency of late. I'm seeing a lot of growth from him in these last two weeks. He's oh, been ball fast handling.
1: Yeah. Ball, ball handling. We don't have time to vet this one, but it's, but I will say as we wrap, his ball handling has been way better. He had a nice behind the back move while he was still on the run towards the rim. A lot of good control. Just shots not falling against the Cavs and defensively, you know, it's been documented that, you know, he's a good he's very good at that number 2 spot and filled in statistically negligible difference last year when Avery Bradley went down for 20 games. So he is coming a long way. Tatum seemed to be back on the right track, but I think he's skidding again a little bit. So he's a roller coaster ride right now, but that's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin at CSL underscore Duke and our guest on today's show at Real Bobby Manning. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for Real tuning Bobby. It's Bob. It's Bob. <laughs> I was going to say, I knew it wasn't Bobby. At, at Real Bob Manning. And a heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
0: Celtic Stuff Live.